Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. Come to you guys just from the end of UFC Vegas 70, going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, where... Nikita Krylov got food poisoning, and the main event was waved off at the 11th hour. And instead, Brendan Allen and Andre Muniz served as our makeshift main event in a three-round middleweight battle. Yeah, kind of crazy. You mm-hmm. know, it's you know it's got to be really bad for someone as tough as Krylov to pull out. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, especially if you know when they're saying that he was there early and that they're trying to like. You know, get him, calm down, get him balanced, get fluids in him. And you know when it's food poisoning, too, and they're talking about getting fluids in him, that means he is just ejecting constantly mm-hmm. for hours on end, and they couldn't get him settled down. So, Yeah, that sucks. But hopefully yeah. hopefully he's fine, and they yeah. quickly rebook this because, I mean, I want to see it now. I'm, I'm yeah. invested at this point. Mm-hmm. So and I got to say, too, though, you got to wonder, is this UFC catering that got him sick? Because, like, fight day food poisoning, posts, weigh-ins, like, you are you are in one concentrated place. How How adventurous can you be eating, you know? I mean, there's no telling. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of fighters bringing their own food and True. don't don't even go that route for this exact re- well, not this exact reason, but just so they know exactly what they're getting. They're real particular about their salts and you yeah, know, everything they're eating. Fight week, particularly for anyone that uni- cuts food. I hope it wasn't the UFC Performance Institute catering that got him sick. I mean, are we sure uh, it's food poisoning? Yeah, that's what they said on the broadcast. Okay, that sucks. Yeah, doesn't it? Man. Anyway. And it was like already kind of a weak card. Yeah, no, that was so, a real, real blow. Our, 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 you know, our producer took a nap and she did not, she did not miss much. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, we got some cool moments. Don't get me sure. wrong. Sure. We're, we're going to talk. relevancy, about. relevancy. Oh, yeah. No. Very, very low. So let's talk about what our makeshift main event ended up being. Andre Muniz, Brendan Allen, and uh, kind of a uh, surprise performance all around, honestly. Cause, Huge surprise. Yeah, because Muniz, he went out there. He won, I would say, about 75% of the striking exchanges. He did get hurt in a little bit. He got stunned a little in round one. But otherwise, for the rest of the fight, Mooney's was the dude landing the sharper, bigger strikes yep. for most of it. And then he just got owned on the mat. Like, now that it's over, and now that he got subbed, it has to be said, he he got dominated, not just from, like, oh, the one position he got caught in at the end kind of thing, but multiple positions. Like, Brendan Allen was in guard, Passed to to half guard, got to side. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back up, back up, back up. Yeah. Muniz hits a body lock takedown. Yeah. And Allen immediately uses the momentum to sweep into top position. Yeah. And then from there, I mean, Muniz did. 
he did nothing. He did like nothing. he he did absolutely. I didn't. He did not look like a a jujitsu ace off no. of his back. So no. I'm I'm kind of thinking that the shots that Allen stung him with in that first round really took him off his game. Yeah, I think that had some lingering effects throughout the fight because I didn't he I didn't see any brilliance from him mm-hmm. in the grappling whatsoever outside of that takedown, which was very short lived and probably shouldn't even count because he didn't establish yeah. top position at all. So very, very uncharacteristically flat performance from Mooney's in the grappling. Yeah. It was it but, was I mean, really right to Allen. Yeah. Allen showed up, man. He did. Absolutely. And he showed up with a not just one call out, but with a whole laundry list of call outs. <laughs> he wants yeah. to fight Sean Strickland again. He wants to fight Chris Curtis again. He wants to fight Jack Hermanson. He wants to fight Drikus Duplessis. And of all those, <laughs> I got to say, I mean, that put him in there with Drikus Duplessis. Even as Alan said, like, win or lose, that guy's ranked ahead of me. I want to fight him. I want to see that fight. You know, oh, that's total chaos, total chaos, very different styles of chaos, but total chaos. Yeah. I mean, you you know, you know, some people are going to get hurt. You Mm -hmm. know, you know, we're going to get some crazy, some crazy scrambles and, you know, you know, it's going to come down to the wire. So that's probably as good as it gets right there for matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah, that was. And how about Allen, though, man? Just quietly yeah. pecking away, slowly, just climbing the ladder, taking some losses, learning, coming back, and just really finding his own, man. That is one guy who is, who he will lure anybody into a scramble. Yeah, I mean, the thing that has to be said is that at this point, Allen, like, you know, yeah, there are still gaps in his strength. Like I say I think Mooney's won the bulk of that fight on the feet that it spent on the feet. But he has turned himself into a guy that is practically, seems practically unbeatable on the mats. Like, nobody has beat Brendan Allen with pure grappling. You know, Jacob Malkoon took him down. No, nobody in the UFC. Before the UFC, he lost fights. You know, he lost fights to Anthony Hernandez and Eric Anders and Trevin Giles. Well, he, this, Trevin Giles submitted him in 2016. Yeah. Um. But, like, you know, Jacob Malkoon took him down a bunch, but couldn't get anything done with it. And, you know, uh, Kevin Holland was seemed like he was absolutely owning Allen on the ground for a minute. And then Allen subbed him out. And, you know, he's fought guys like Tom Breeze and uh, Christoph Yatko and now Andre Muniz, and none of them have been able to beat him on the mat and like it's becoming a real testament to his his skill there this is a dude yeah, who has he's he's a legit black belt a legit <laughs> black belt i mean look at Muniz hit that inverted triangle not not only did he hit an inverted triangle but he set that up against yeah. jacare yeah and none none of that was here <laughs> mm-hmm. so i mean if 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 allen is someone who can sting people and and then force them into some grappling. I mean, you know, who knows yeah. who know, who knows what his ceiling is. He's an overproducer, like he's time and time again. He's definitely learning and advancing and honing his game in the UFC into something that's it's a lot of fun. You know, 
you gotta you gotta take the fight from a dude like Brendan Allen because if you don't, he will absolutely bring it to you. Yeah, he doesn't know he's supposed to lose. Mm-hmm. Big, so, big betting underdog coming into this. I think yeah. someone lost like over a hundred grand betting on Mooney's. <laughs> Could you imagine? No, no, I can't. I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose a hundred grand on Andre Muniz. I feel like whenever the broadcast shares those kind of things, where it's like, oh, someone bet a, you know, an insane amount of money on Fighter X, Fighter X ends up losing. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's like, it's 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 a pretty good campaign against gambling altogether, I'd say. It, it is it is a great anti-gambling message in the midst of all the UFC's pro-gambling messages. <laughs> that strong anti-gambling subversive bit of advertising so yeah alan he looked great he called some shots there are fights in there i love it's great for him for muniz you know this is this is maybe the wake-up call that maybe jacare was a little past his prime maybe subbing eric anders doesn't mean that much you maybe you got to watch out for people because what he brought to this fight was wasn't enough. Like, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're a third degree black belt and you're getting you're getting caught flat on your back in guard. You know? Yeah, not only that, but you got your guard passed. Yeah, you got your guard passed. You got your guard you got your passed. Back you got submitted. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's uh that's a that's a tough one there. Mm-hmm. It really is. All right. That brings us to our co-main event, Augusto Sakai, Dante Mays. The co-main event. Yeah, I know. I mean, they the UFC set themselves up to make that seem hilarious by sticking it in the middle of the main card, even if they didn't intend it to be the co-main event. That's the kind of bout that, like, should be a prelim opener, you know? Because we all knew <laughs> going in, like, this is going to be too... Husky dudes grinding on each other. That's all we're going to see. That's all we got. Chunga Supreme. This was a horrible fight. This was horrible. And, uh, you know, my my baby partner, Connor, he brought it up while uh, watching on Twitter. I can't blame Augusto Sakai for this. Like, Maze is like six foot seven. And the only way he's going to win this fight is by landing some wild sloppy hook from distance so you absolutely just go and get in his face and grind on him every chance you get you know you've lost four fights in a row by knockout you gotta you gotta get the win no matter what but nobody needed to see this could have been a dark bout even keep it the co-main event like this but just black it out like do you know the this is uh, this is this fight is unavailable in your area but for everybody yeah, total post slam worthy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. But um, I'll say um, this is like one of the where the rare instances where the actual better technical fighter won at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the athleticism, toughness, toughness, it wasn't enough. He didn't yep. have he didn't capitalize enough on on his athleticism. In fact. Sakai looked like the better athlete out there. Yeah. He had more pop in his strikes. He, you know. there it, It's it's a proof that there is a point at which 
technical skill does actually still matter at heavyweight. Like, if you do not have enough to put together actual good strikes regularly, somebody like Sakai who knows how to grind, knows how to stay in your face, knows what kind of fight he wants to have. He's just been outgunned so often lately. He's going to go out there and he's going to have his fight, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Mays just isn't um, skilled. No. He's... <laughs> he didn't have any skills to compete here. No. He had skills to not get finished and toughness. Yep. But this was a horrible fight. It really was. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, good for Sakai. He gets a win. They'll bounce him back into into somebody that he that will probably walk over him again because he's still in the, the unfortunate position of being neither a powerful nor a particularly insanely durable heavyweight. But if you're not going to test his chin, he'll find a way to beat you. And this was a huge step down in competition. Yes. Huge step. I mean, this is this. He hasn't fought this level since 2018, since like Chase Sherman. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's coming off a loss to Sergey Spivak, which looked no bad shame. for a minute, but Spivak is now like ranked number five in the division. Yeah. I mean, Tai Tuivasa, no shame there. Rosenstrike, you know, these are, Alistair these are Overeem, hitters. crafty veteran. And then Dante Mays. <laughs> so. The guys who were beating him were all big hitters or good wrestlers. One of the two, and Mays is neither. Man, so. shout out to the UFC for not cutting uh, Sakai after four losses. Yeah, did you see his little statement about that this week? No, what did he say? He said, I wouldn't cut, cut Augusta, Augusta Sakai. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, of course he well, wouldn't. He... I, I wouldn't fire me. Are you, are you joking? <laughs> Who's firing wow. me? Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I guess he, it's that's good. He has that kind of outlook. And so, yeah. like, you know what? I deserve to be cut. Uh, but huh? anyway. Good for him. That fight, it happened. We all watched it. Uh, before that, women's flyweight bout, Tatiana Suarez, Montana De La Rosa. And um, do you know what? I am not surprised that the first words out of Suarez's mouth after that win were that I'm going back to 115 pounds. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, the size discrepancy was noticeable. Yeah. I mean, she was still able to, you know, hold her own on the ground more than hold her own. I mean, yeah, she got her takedown still. She created uh, moments to be dominant, but she really had, to, had to, earn it. to scramble out of all of them. You know, she couldn't yeah. hold De La Rosa down or when she could, she couldn't produce any offense with it. It was, you know, purely I have to use all of my strength and physicality to hold you in place or you're getting up and we're resetting. That's what I liked about this matchup, though, because De La Rosa is a damn good grappler in her own right. Mm -hmm. Very, you know, scrappy, submission savvy. So for her to get submitted, I, I was a little surprised. I was surprised to see Suarez jump a guillotine. Yeah. I was a little shocked at that. Um, but oh, damn, she, she had it. Patchy mix, you know? Yeah. I caught a little, uh, before the show, I caught a clip of her talking with the post-fight desk 
and she said in the back, um, all she really did to warm up was practice jumping the guillotine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she she did it so hard on one of her coaches that the coach like bit his own teeth. And the coach was like, yeah, do that, do that. And I was yeah. like, damn, she went out there and did that. Yeah, I mean, and, you she's know. tough, man. Yeah, she she she's added a couple wrinkles to her game. A good grappling game would match well with that wrestling game she's got. Uh, and the you know Montana, it was a good test. It was a good way too to show. I mean, if nothing else, what this fight did show is that Suarez is physically healthy. You know that her body mm-hmm. can stand up to the the kind of fight she wants to have. That she can get in on shots like she used to, that she can press for takedowns like she used to, because having knee and neck surgery and being a wrestler, like we have to wonder, you know, we have to wonder if the yeah. first time De La Rosa hangs on a on a headlock to stuff a shot is is De La Rosa or is uh, Suarez going to come up holding her neck, or is the first time she's going to try to shoot in on a takedown is the knee just going to give out and force her to shoot from her knees. Right. And that didn't happen. She looked good. Yeah. And against someone, you know, larger up a division. Yeah. So, so I expect her to, you know, go right back to business at Strawway and mm-hmm. she'll be knocking on the door uh, yeah, uh, of think, a title shot any second now. So, so the thing I got to think is right now, the UFC has booked. Uh, oh, damn it. Angela Hill against, damn it, and who's she fighting? Uh, Mackenzie Dern, which I'm happy for Hill. She gets a big, she gets a chance. She's put on some, she she's put, put up some good wins lately. Get another chance to run up the division, try herself. Dern is a terrible style clash, but you know, like you're you an want action to see Dern like, Suarez. I really want to see Dern Suarez. <laughs> really a lot that fight has to happen and i assume that dern is going to walk through angela hill i feel a little bad for hill saying that but it, it's just it, given hill's career i got to expect Mackenzie dern to go through her and if dern does that you gotta book dern suarez man book dern suarez winner gets a title shot i don't care it's got to be a main event. I need to see. That's got to be five rounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to see that play out over 25 minutes. Like, but yeah. Out. That's the, the strawweight fight that's I want. Probably the most, that is probably the most intriguing matchup for yeah. one another. Exactly. So. As long as they don't end up standing the whole time. Oh, God, yeah. Let's not forget about that. That's definitely, like... We need to. We need to. We have. We have like stand up refs who give stand ups. We need refs that will like put people in fifty fifty. If you're gra- if you're if you've got two wrestler a wrestler and a grappler or two wrestlers and two grapplers and they're trying to have a kickboxing match and it just sucks, we should get the same thing where it's like you know if you're stalling from guard or standing you up. If you're trying to kickbox and you're an NCAA you know three times. <laughs> Uh, all-star wrestler, you know, all-American wrestler. We're, we're going to have, instead of stand-ups, 
It's yeah. not a stand-up. It's, it's lay-downs. <laughs> We're going to lay you guys down. down if there's no action here. Put yeah, down. Put downs. <laughs> or maybe maybe bring in uh, Kevin Holland as a chaplain or something to talk the fighters into having a, a gentleman's agreement or a ladies' agreement. <laughs> To, to keep the fight on the ground. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We've seen it. We've seen it with the stand up. Let's see it in the grappling now. Right. We need to see some. We need to see some grapplers in MMA have a, a gentleman's agreement that we are going to go try and grapple, and we are not just going to act like all all we. The only thing we've ever really wanted to do, and the only reason that we're in MMA and not jujitsu, is because we want to punch people really bad. Like you know, leave that leave that on the streets, kids. Come on. Yeah, this is this is a sport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, oh, I would absolutely love to be able to customize the rule sets for each bout. Right. That would be so exciting and so much more fun. But, so, hey, Ryzen does it. UFC can do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. That brings us to a welterweight fight. Mike Malott, Johan Lainess. Going into this one... I was kind of worried. I was like, okay, Lioness, he came into the UFC as like this heavy-handed brawler, got really tired in his debut and lost. And then he came back and he was notably like trying to hold himself back, trying to, you know, decrease his output, not brawl. And so it was kind of a question of like, he's going to face Mike Malott here. Did he, is he going to, is he going to try that again, or is he going to go brawl with Malat? Because he might actually punch a little harder than Malat and have a little bit better chin. Not as technical, but brawl is brawl, you know? Right. And instead, Linus, he kept, he's, he's kept on the, like, oh, maybe I should be a little more reserved and try to be a more technical fighter, and Malat just kind of walked through him. Oh, yeah, walked right through him. It made and, uh... it really easy for Malat to just do whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah, once he was on top, that was pretty much the beginning of the end. Yeah, I, I actually kind of almost wondered if Linus didn't have like a shoulder injury or something because that that arm triangle did not look all the way in before Linus tapped to it. It was a very weird angle. It really weird. was. I was like almost, It was almost a Bravo. Mm. Like it was very close to being a Bravo choke. The, yeah, wall, was, the angle of it. I was typing when I was on Twitter calling. I was like. You know, Malat's going for the arm triangle choke. He's at a weird angle. He's kind of on the wrong side of the half guard. You know, his, his, he's on half guard on one side. And he's trying to get it on the other side across the body instead of being on the same side as the arm, right. you know, instead of passing on the same side. It's like he's on the wrong side. This seems like a really bad angle to get this. He's threatening with it, but I can't, you know, it doesn't really seem like a strong angle to get the choke. And then... He passes, like, the moment he passed through the mount, Linus just tapped. Wasn't yeah, it was a quick tap, quick yeah. tap, which makes me think it was the neck. Mm, I think he be. was maybe just putting an insane amount of pressure on the neck that, it, you know, it was a panic tap. Like, yeah, oh it God. really was like it. Like, once he moved into mount, he felt all that weight. He no longer had his hips, you know, mm. relieving some of the pressure, and, you know, that sucks, but... Yep. You know, Easy fight such is life. Great win, great win for him. Get him in there with some other, you know, get get him in there with some other welterweight bangers. I want to see this dude trade hands with people. Phil Rowe, maybe, or 
you know, I don't know. Jeremiah Wells. Got some dudes in that division that can throw hands and put on fun fights. Yeah, this dude's a ton of fun. He is. Hell, get him in there with, like, Ian Gary or something, you know? Oof. Uh, why are you trying to derail prospects so early, Zane? Hey, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you saw my thread about this uh, earlier in the week, but, like, I, this card really got me in mind. It got me – this is a bad sign for the quality of UFC lately in 2023. This, this card got me thinking, you know, wistfully remembering Joe Silva because – he was a he was a terrible little tyrant, tiny little tyrant of a jerk of an asshole, by all accounts from fighters. But the man made he his whole thing was like every fight means something, match every fight up to mean something. You put all the prospects together. You know, you got a guy that's two and zero. You put him against a guy, another guy that's two and zero. Got a guy that's one and one. You put him against another guy that's one and one. You got a guy that's four and one. You put him against another guy that's four and one. And that whole era of the the UFC became known for like all the fights. You know, the whole card is good. The whole card yeah. is fun to watch. And, uh, you know, since he retired, I'm sure fighters are happier. I think it's probably a much pleasanter, less toxic workplace. But uh, oh, yeah. but we also get fights like, you know, Joe Selecki versus Carl Deaton III. <laughs> Was that a short notice fight? Uh, let's see. Selecki, yeah, I think it was kind of short notice, but... Let's see. Where was that? Because uh, that's a huge mismatch. No, I don't think it was actually. I'm looking and not seeing anything on the Facebook or on the uh, the wiki here. Let me see. Just I'll tell you what, though, Zane. While you're looking it up, I do not mind squash matches. Like I am perfectly fine with guys getting showcase matchups. We, uh, it used to be way more common, um, like early, early UFC when there just weren't enough good talent. Uh, but now that everyone's kind of on the same playing field skill wise, um, yeah, it's just it's a lot more rare have, to see that kind of thing. Yeah, they have their they have their moment. There, there's a whole other reason to do that kind of booking. Just didn't used to be the thing that the UFC did. Uh, it was a short notice booking in that Selecki was booked to fight Benoit Saint Denis a week ago, earlier. Okay. And then they brought Deaton in and uh, moved the fight back. But it's also lightweight. Like, why would you bring in? somebody like this for a lightweight bout, you know, like this ain't hmm. light heavyweight where you just need or middleweight where you warm bodies reach are, are thin on the ground and you're just. Maybe it's a, a budgeting issue. Maybe they only have, they have a certain salary cap per card. Yeah. So bringing in someone else just wasn't cost effective. So uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, brought in a noob. I'm just paying, saying, him the ten and ten. Yeah, I'm just saying these cards have me a little wistful for Joe Silva, and that's a cautionary moment. Just a little reminder that you could support the MMA Vivid section 
the MMA depressed us, and the sixth round post-fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash MMA vivisection. With three different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much. Anyway, <laughs> let's bring it, go, get to a lightweight bout. Trevor Peak, Eric Gonzalez, and... Um, Man, right before this fight started, I was saying, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was saying Trevor Peak fights like his hair is on fire and he's being chased by bees. And <laughs> man, does, does he does he ever like that was exactly the fight he had. Wow, dude is just the wildest, messiest dude who's also clearly actually a really good athlete, and it would be awesome if somebody could harness that athleticism and do something with it, because. Eric Gonzalez threw him down like five times, and every time Peak just, you know, even the booth said it at one point. He did like the Derek Lewis heavyweight stand up where you just like put a hand on the guy on top of you and push him up and then stand up. Yeah. Well, like, that honestly, that's a pretty effective, especially from side control. You put a hand in the armpit and you in stiff arm, and you create separation that way. It's actually a pretty common jujitsu get up, but yeah. Peak. Peak is obviously fast and powerful and has obviously barely ever been trained in any kind of martial art ever. I think Gonzalez might be the least athletic lightweight I've ever seen. That is also, this is also true. He, I was he, blown away by the slow motion to him. Mm-hmm. But like he's going full speed, not gas or anything, but just, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Just a, a lethargic kind of... Uh, rhythm to him yeah there's a reason that he's been now knocked out three times in three ufc fights by three very very different styles of fighter and this could have been stopped way sooner than it was like gonzalez didn't have to go out like that (laughs) no he went down the moment he went down and the ref walked in and like nearly put a hand on he, he nearly like put a fatherly hand on peak's shoulder I was like, why don't you punch him one more time for me, son? Yeah, hit him, hit him like I showed you. <laughs> yeah, like it was just, you're right there. He's out, he's slumped into a ball. He's practically nail-marked. And you're like, yeah, just pop him one more, two more times for me. <laughs> that's like the, that's when the ref forgets where he is. He forgets he's at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Other yeah. than that, I think the ref did a great job. Or that one. Who was it? Hadley? Mm. Harry Hadley or something? I don't know. But Peak, he showed up. I'm I'm gonna he is the UFC's new Mike Perry. Wow. Yeah. I am here for it. Dude is gonna be out there to be in wild action brawls, throwing hammers. He's got title aspirations. I all I can say is just like get this guy to a good camp. Somebody. Because the potential is there, but the structure is totally gone. Yeah, he needs to go see Henry down yeah. in or, South Florida. Just yeah, I mean, even you know, even the current Jackson Wink aimless iteration, even Alpha Male, 
where you've got a different coach every, you know, six months, it feels <laughs> like, or whatever. Like, just these gyms nah, that will instill, like, a base to, formula. He needs to go to Bangtao out in Thailand. Go, yeah. go hang out with the Hickman brothers. There you go. Get some Muay Thai going on. Yeah. Some wrestling. Get, get Rafael, somebody like Rafael Cordero who would just be like, dude, just be aggressive and march forward and march people That's, down. Do what... Do what Marvin Vittori does, but you hit three times harder. Like, you oh, yeah, know. Well, do what Benil Dariush does. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. That actually, Kings would be a great fit for him. Right. So, he's he's fun. I hope I, I hope he makes. I hope I will be there watching this dude fight until the wheels fall off because it's going to be a wild ride. You know. Hmm. All right, that brings us to a woman's flyweight bout. Jasmine Jasuda Vicious, Gabriela Fernandez. And uh, what what a great time for Jasuda Vicious to uh, bring out the offensive wrestling game. She's she's been a great she's a great top been a great top control fighter in the past, but it's usually been opponents who have to bring that out of her, who have to like force the scrambles that she will fight through to to make great. And this time she found it all herself, and this was the right time because Gabrielle well, Fernandez cannot wrestle. Uh, she was she was also enticed to do so by getting uh, hit with some some pretty heavy hands right away, yeah. and I think that woke her up. Yeah, and Jasmine was like, "Oh, okay, we're definitely not striking today." Yeah, and just completely dominated the grappling. Yeah, Fernandez cannot wrestle, so something that. I noticed on the vivisection this week watching her tape, and I still picked her because I was like, I don't, Jacinta Vicious doesn't wrestle that much. She doesn't try to take people down. That has to be something that's like drawn out of her. And Fernandez is just going to sit at range and try to punch her. But apparently, she she uh, punched her well enough that Jacinta Vicious is like, you know what? The wrestling comes out today. And then it turns out Gabriela Fernandez cannot wrestle at all, <laughs> or grapple yeah. at all. Even a little. No. Well, at least she survived. I'll yeah, give her she that. survived. I'll get, you can give her that. But, but she got schooled. She got schooled, and she did not look like she knew what she was doing in any position she was in, which is a bigger problem. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, no, Jasuda Vicious was just floating on top and shutting down every everything she tried. Like, no, she was just on her back and with, an, like, an elbow in her neck, and Fernandez was just waving her arms around and looking confused. Yeah, big so, technical gap there. Yeah, she ex- she exposed her is what she did. She did definitely very exposing loss for Fernandez. That brings us to a lightweight bout: Jordan Leavitt, Victor Martinez, and um, yeah, this was another fight that I just like. This is not a typical UFC booking. I think people got. I don't know if matchmakers got confused, but fans certainly got confused by Jordan Leavitt getting beat by Patty Pimblett. Because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of clap back on Pimblett's whole personality and attitude where people just want to dismiss him and discount him as a uh, talent, talentless hype job. Well, especially now after people think he got away with one in his yeah. last fight. Yeah, especially after people think he got away with one. And so, you know, the idea of like, oh, Jordan Leavitt lost to Patty Pimblett. Jordan Leavitt's no good, you know. And, 
like Patty is he is relentlessly aggressive, relentlessly confident, crafty, crafty, big, and just he cannot be deterred, you know, and he's a good grappler too. Yeah. He is a legitimately he he's an aggressive opportunistic grappler who if he sees his moment will take it and he'll do the right he'll do the right shit with it. Mm-hmm. And Leave it is a very good smothering wrestle grappler himself, and the UFC gave him a huge step down against a dude that is probably not going to be in the UFC very long. And we got to see the difference. Like, Leave it striking has never looked better, and in part, I'm sure he put some work into it, but um, he just also he had an opponent in front of him that like this is. This is your time. You should own this. This is your time to shine. Man, I can't believe I saw what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it with the Muay Thai clinch, right? dropping knees, you know. I I even never he, thought I'd see it. Post fight interview, even he was surprised. You hear heard him? He was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna knock this dude out. I've never knocked anyone out before. Like he was thrilled. Yeah, or, man, yeah. he's this guy. He's always pulling out some like unexpected finishes, mm-hmm. like what he did to Wap uh, Wap Myman. <laughs> oh, damn you, Vic! Uh, yeah, what he did to Matt Wyman, like that crazy slam when Wyman pulled guard on him, like mm-hmm. insane. The dude's yeah. got anacondas and arm triangles, inverted triangles. I mean, the dude is is unassumingly lethal. Yeah, he's his his striking may be raw. He may not be the most dominating physical force out there, but he's aggressive. He knows what a kind of game he has, and he uses the tools he has. Like he had that fight with Trey Ogden, where he's just like, ah, I've got a flapping low kick this guy's not ready for. I'm just gonna do that for three rounds. What's he gonna yeah. do about it? Nothing. Yeah, he's you pretty know. smart. He's a pretty yeah. smart fighter. Op- very opportunistic. Yeah. And I, I always like to see that. I always, I'm always going to root for the not very athletic guy who makes really good decisions because that's always, to me, like, it's interesting to watch that person try to survive in a shark tank like the UFC that is just full mm-hmm. of the, like, fastest, strongest, most bullying meatheads you can imagine, you know? And I love nothing more than seeing those people get outsmarted. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Like, just seeing these... Just hulks just get outplayed and outwitted. Yeah. It's just. It's fun. It's fun when you see it. Victor Martinez was not that, though. He was very much a dude set up to just get stomped by. It's a reminder to me, too, that, like, for me, the average guy, like, no matter how hard I trained in my life, I would never be as tough as Victor Martinez. And Victor Martinez is going to get to the UFC and just get absolutely crushed by a dude that everybody thinks doesn't deserve to be there. You know? <laughs> like, the tiers, the levels to this game are so much steeper than people realize. It's fights like this that remind you of that. Yeah, especially, you know, the average person sitting on the couch yeah. and watching it and being like, oh, I could beat that guy. Yeah. I, I'd smash him. Never trained a day in their life. It's, yeah. Like, Victor Martinez is a not-very-athletic dude who has worked very hard for years. He's been in this game for years and years and years. Like, you know, I think he's... He may have... 
if he's not been in for a decade, uh, he's got almost 20 fights. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. This is somebody who's put in the work as a not very good athlete. He started, yeah, he started in 2011. He's put 12 years into this. And he just goes out there, and Jordan Leavitt just goes out there and owns him. You know? He's stronger inside, is bullying, is more powerful, is faster, can wrestle in ways he can't, can grapple in ways he can't. Just, you know. And that's the thing. It's like your path to victory was the stand-up. Yeah. And you, you got absolutely bulldozed there. Yeah. Like, got to take a hard look in the mirror at that point. It it is not sports are not kind, but it's, I mean that's what makes them so thrilling is that sports aren't kind places. You know, there's no like, there are very few moral victories, especially in 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 fighting. Oh yeah, where you can just you can train your you, you can train for months on it. You can train your whole life for one moment and have somebody just go out there and crush you mercilessly without a and, second and thought. It, it's been that way for a long time now, but okay. I mean, I remember back in the day where you could bring a guy off the street who has a wrestling background and he could he could win some rounds. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I mean, the, the sport has evolved so much that to make it to the UFC, like, of course, there's a couple exceptions and there always will be. But you got to be, you know, you got to be the big fish in your small pond and then go be a big fish in a bigger pond. And then by the time you get to the ufc it's an ocean and yeah. everything you're going to come across is a shark like you were saying and i mean like you you look at bellator and pat downey you know like we're talking like an ncaa all-american and junior collegiate champion looked po- who was too violent and aggressive and mean for wrestling like you know got kicked out of college i think or if not like got suspended you know had a bunch of assault allegations against him and stuff like that. Um, just a, it seems like the prototype for what an MMA fighter is going to be. Certainly a decade ago, Pat Downey, he is, he is, he succeeds in MMA. You dial the clock back 15 years, Pat Downey is every third dude that fights in the octagon. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, look at look at Tyrell Fortune. Yeah, like, like UFC one. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. He smashes everybody. Yeah, but these, now he's getting you know he, now he's getting knocked out to random thirteen and six guys. Yeah, Downey got iced by some dude they brought in just for him to beat, and they cut him. Like, yeah. So it is MMA. It's only getting tougher out there. Oh, yeah. The barrier to entry is just becoming more steep and steep. And, you know, it's uh, I only think the sport's better for it. I mean, we get yeah. crazy fights. And yeah. when we get when we do get, you know, it just unseen knockouts or finishes, it just makes them that much more special. Like mm. when um, Masvidal hit that flying knee on Ben Askren. Like, yeah, that's to be able to do that to someone at this level. It's. It, you just can't help but think about that person against an average Joe. Yeah. And just the, the murder that would take place. Yeah. Yeah. Or like right. that guy who, who, who accosted 
Dustin Poirier with the sign. Oh, yeah. DMs, and he gets slapped for it. It's like, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, and I see people, too. I saw people, you know, commenters and stuff like people on Twitter and all that being like, oh, who are these fighters? They can't take a little ribbing. Or you think, you, you know, you guys think you're so tough, but you don't have thick enough skin. These people have made their entire lives violence. They're not going to be like, oh, you know what? I saw a chance to hit somebody, but I'm going to hold back. Like, no. Exactly. <laughs> they spend every waking moment of their lives figuring out how to hurt people. It's, you know, the th- thin skin, thick skin, it's got nothing to do with it. Martial arts, this whole idea that, like, martial arts is going to train you to be a less violent person somehow is not true. It, you know, I hate to break it to you, kids, but... Learning to fight better does not make you fight less. It is not how it works, you know. Uh, change, it changes. It doesn't make you fight you less. Fight. It, it change, change changes the way you channel fight. it. Changes yeah. the way you channel it. But you are going being spending your time learning how to better utilize your violence is not going to make you less likely to like. I think it makes you more likely to properly use it. Yeah. But, you know, like combat sports. And I think I think you're more likely to show some restraint. You know, once you you're you've been trained for a while, you're you're probably not going to. You might you're more likely to realize just how badly you can hurt someone. Yeah. So that you shouldn't hurt them that badly. But you're not likely to just, you know, oh, I'm not going to hurt you at all. You know, like you get Chris Curtis in that gym against some dude who's like, oh, I'm a I'm an undefeated street fighter. And Curtis is like, okay, well, I'm going to beat your ass for 15 minutes, and I'm going to do it in a way that I don't hurt you as badly as I could because that wouldn't be fair, but I'm still not going to pass up on the chance to beat your ass. <laughs> right, right. You know. And I got, I got guys luckily Sean Strickland didn't get in there. Yeah, no kidding. We'd have to spend a bunch of time listening to Sean Strickland talk, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let, let's get let's get to a catchweight bout. Ode Osborne, Charles Johnson, flyweights. Uh, Osborne brought out a kicking game, and that changed the dynamics of this fight entirely. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if he won this though. Well, I mean, I think it comes down to a very tight third round where both men were exhausted. And so you can call it either way. I thought Osborne did enough in the first round to win that. Mm-hmm. He had all the kicks, all that. I thought Johnson should have clearly gotten the second round. He came in with the heavier shots in a fairly close round. His strikes seemed like they had more damage. I gave Johnson the third. I assume you did too. Yeah. But he was also totally drained. And it was pretty 50-50. I don't think being drained is a scoring criteria. No, well, but but it's, he was tired, yes. They, they were both so tired that they could not maintain any continued momentum in the third round. Yeah, so you and really they kept going had... back and forth the scrambles. But that's yeah. why I just re- reduced it to the striking. It's, it seemed like Johnson was just landing the better strikes throughout the third round. So that's why I gave it to him. That's what I thought too, but I'm just saying that it, to me it's not a controversial controversial score. You know, 
If you're Johnson, you feel a little hard done by, sure. But yeah, not a rob not not a robbery. Not a robbery. I just think I just scored it for Johnson. Yeah. I just saying the thing that surprises me in this fight and that Ode Osborne should consider heavily going forward is the amount of kicking he did. Because his kicks were brutal early on, and he should continue that. He went away from it as the fight went on, but that was that was a huge difference maker right out of the gate. Yeah, he looked great out there. You know, compared to previous versions of himself. I thought I thought he came out with a very intelligent game plan. So solid showing. Yeah. All right. Lightweight bout. Joe's lucky. Carl Deaton the third. We already kind of talked about this. Um feel bad for Carl. Like, I mean, I guess I don't feel bad for him because he's gonna get paid. Being in the UFC, he will get paid for however long he's here, more than he would get paid anywhere else in his career. You know? No Not only needs. that, but this is this is like a Super Bowl for him. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he made it to the UFC. He got here. He got here. Yeah, I, I hope he sees it that way. I hope he didn't does not feel like he has been thinking he would be world champion and that getting here was just step one in that process. Because I don't want I would hate to think this is gonna be like the crushing point that his dreams are un you know, are squashed and his life goes off the rails. I'd much rather think of this as more of the uh uh who is that uh guy who fought Mark Andre Barrio that's Skinny Canadian guy. Uh, I'll figure it out. Ryan James. I'd like much more prefer mm. this to be his Ryan James one, where Ryan James had like four fights in the UFC, won a couple of them, got absolutely clubbed in all of them, and was like, you know what? Getting here was the only thing I really that was my only goal. And then he retired, and he went off to go be an IT guy. You know, that's, that's great. Yeah. I'd much rather that for for Carl Deaton the third because Carl is not gonna he's not gonna experience a lot of success in the UFC. Um, that's a brutal truth there, Zane. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but you know he's got a fun, busy inside boxing game that puts him right in the danger zone of every athlete that's gonna be better than him, like just bigger and stronger and faster. You, you don't know? think he'll get a win? If he does, I would hang my hat. If I were him and I got a win in the UFC, I would hang my hat on that for the rest of my life. Oh, um, you could never do that. Uh, what like that? Uh, who Trevor Peak should be? Uh, the Eric Gonzalez guy. Eric Gonzalez. Match them up. That, sure. That'll be his chance to get a dub. I, I say Carl Deaton and Victor Martinez get matched up. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Either of them. Yeah, that, that those three can sort it out. Where only and, one can stay. And any of the, like you know any of those dudes, you get a win at this level, you tell your you, that is a story for the grandkids. Oh, that's enough to go open your own gym. Exactly. Because it is, you know, these are these guys are athletes. These guys are your everyman athletes out there trying to do the thing, and you got to respect them for getting to this point because. It's been you. You can bet that it's been countless, countless years of hard work. You know, they say the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a fastball, mm -hmm. like hit a home run off a fastball. 
And uh-huh. I don't know anymore. I think winning a UFC fight might be the hardest thing. <sighs> yeah. Might be. I don't know. Fastball is really... People don't realize how hard that is. Like... Yeah, but winning a UFC fight... Like, what percentage of the population can hit a fastball versus win a UFC fight? I'm not gonna, we don't have time for this discussion. <laughs> I, I will sit here and break this down and be like, you know what? I think about like one one percent of the population could hit a major league fastball. Maybe four percent can win a UFC fight. I don't know. Like I don't know. But I'm against not... against someone currently in the UFC? Like I just don't I don't know. Carl Deaton the third's in the UFC, you know. <laughs> You didn't. Santa you don't know his contract. That could have been a one and done. CM Punk was in the UFC not that long ago. Like, and he didn't win. He didn't win one. He didn't. But I'm saying you're every. You know, if the UFC keeps picking up the occasional guy like that, your average guy off the street has the chance to face that guy. It's it's a chance, but even then, I don't it's it's, it's a better that. chance for me than hitting a <laughs> fastball. The high heat, the high heat is special. Anyway. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> oh. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Narulo Aliyev, Rafael Alves, and, um, you know, Aliyev getting the win, it's fine. You you saw the ocean of supporters that he has out there. The pressure on this kid has to be huge. Oh, yeah. Um, he did what he needed to do. He impressed to me because Alves is a hell of an athlete and a hell of a dangerous UFC fight, first UFC fight to take. Yeah. Honestly. Way I more do, experienced. Way more experienced, really fast, really strong, dynamic everywhere. Not doesn't make all the best decisions, which is why he lost this fight. Just some bad fight Q moments. Mm. But really dynamic and powerful and dangerous all the time. Like, you hit, you know, hitting that jump knee in, like, round two, I think it was. You know? Yeah, I like it. I like his style. He's fun. He, he goes after it. Yes. And uh, I'm okay that he bit Alves on the hand. You stick, you stick your hands in my mouth, I'm going to bite you. Period. Yeah, Dyson Poirier, get, Michael Chandler. All I didn't get a close look at the uh, the replay, but yeah, if Alves did stick his hands in his mouth, then by being bit is absolutely deserved. Right. It's not like it's not like West Sims Frank Mir, where West Sims bit Frank on the chest. Yeah, yeah. Or, wait, no, it wasn't Frank Mir. It was uh, who was it? Oh, oh man, this is gonna kill me. Got me going down the West Sims rabbit hole. Mike Kyle? That sounds right. Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle bit him. Uh, that sounds like what happened. Oh yeah, no, somebody. Yeah, somebody bit West Sims. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle. It was Mike Kyle. Mike Kyle was so that he didn't. You didn't think of him as that dude, Kyle, because he fought so much and you saw him all the time and he had fights that were totally fine and normal and whatever, you know. But Mike Kyle was very much the kind of dude who had some, like, random, brutal, like, fouls over his career that he would just do some wild shit in the cage. 
not quite a Gilbert Ivell, but definitely that, that kind of track. Definitely a bruiser. Yeah. Um. Oh, but I, all that to say, that kind of biting unacceptable. But sure. someone sticking their hands in your mouth, like, <laughs> hey, I yeah. mean, I, I would argue that one. And honestly. Like if that was me, I wouldn't have. I would have fought that point deduction. I'd have been like, nah. <laughs> and maybe because I mean, of the know, maybe his team, maybe his team will go to the Nevada Athletic Commission and file a complaint. I, I don't think it would go anywhere, but they can try it. Um, I though I will say, I kind of like the draw more than anything else, because like, Aliyev's game is really static. It is really blanket boring. And I think at least two of the rounds out of the three here, he did not have the biggest, most damaging moments in those rounds. I still think he won the rounds. I'm I'm fine with it. I, I you know, I, it's it's good on Aliyev. He he showed up, he performed way above his level. Alves is a big step up. But I'm just saying, from my technical preference, I don't like to see blanketing rewarded. He was landing some ground strikes, you know, sprinkling them in along the way. He had a couple moments. He did. And then at the very end of the third round, when he knew there was no time left, he really postured up and stepped on the gas and, and tried to do some damage. So, I mean, all things considered... Getting the, overcoming a point deduction, <laughs> biting a man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he uh, kind of a crazy debut. Kind of a crazy debut. But, you know, he, he showed up. He showed up against a really great al- uh, al- uh, athlete, and he was a blanket even on that dude. So that showed, that's good things for his future, you know? Well, real quick, Zane, before we wrap this card up, I feel like we should – Real quick, just hop over to Bellator 291 to talk about Yaroslav Amasov and yeah. his incredible dominant performance in his rematch with Logan Storley. Did you see that? I saw the highlights. I did not get to see the oh, whole fight. Man, that was insane. I don't. Amasov has never looked this good. Yeah, never no. looked this good. He kept Storley right at the end of his strikes, stuffed all the takedowns. He was getting takedowns. I mean, he completely outclassed Orly for five rounds. Dude, dude made the adjustments. I love to see it. You know, I'm a big fan of Yaroslav Amosov. Hey, I still, I get to still claim credit. I, I, I came up with his nickname. I yeah. am, I am the author of Yaroslav Amosov's nickname. So, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm always gonna be a, a fan. And uh, yeah, I wish I hadn't had to miss it. I was just in the, you know, the UFC card was going, and I was doing live Twitter for that and all that. And I just didn't have a chance to actually jump over on the Bellator broadcast and watch it. But I, I, I saw the highlights. And I, I, I know I, I saw and heard that he had really figured out how to defend the takedowns that uh, Storley was hitting on him the first time and really shut Storley out of that fight. It was brilliant. And it, it, you know, it makes me wonder who's the best welterweight on the planet right now. Because Amosov yeah. is in the conversation. Yeah, he is not lost in all, ever, you know. At some point, that becomes important. Yeah, but I just thought it was important to to bring up that because we, we had a lot of fights yeah. this weekend. 
And that's a, you know, that's an actual title fight going on over in Bellator while the UFC is putting on a card of absolutely no importance at all. Yeah, I, uh, title unification. Storley was the interim champ. Mm-hmm. So I even liked that they kept the division going, even though Amsov wasn't really gone that long. Yeah. So good stuff from them. Absolutely. All right, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. You can find me on Twitter at Simon. You can find... Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at bloodyelbow.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcasts over on Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those good places. And as always, we'll be back. Patreon. We, Patreon. Oh yeah. Well, we've got a little ad now. We our, our producer recorded a little ad for us. It'll be plugged in the middle of this, so I don't have to remember nice. to plug it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, we're smart. We're getting clever. We're getting clever, you know. I love it. Um. We will be back next week for UFC 285, Jones versus Gone. Until then, everyone, have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Just a little reminder that you could support the MMA Vivisection, the MMA Depressed Us, and the sixth-round post-fight show simply by going to patreon.com slash MMA Vivisection. With three different tiers ranging from $3 to $7, it's incredibly easy to show support to your favorite analysts, Zane, Connor, Eddie, and Phil. So if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider us. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play by Play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com. <laughs>